We are beginning a new series. This, this past week, Alan began a new series called Christology. It's a study of famous quotes by a guy's name's Chris. No, I'm just kidding. That's a bad joke. It's a dad joke. Sorry, sorry. Christology. It's a study of Jesus, and it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing theme. We just finished a series called Sozo, and the Sozo series was all about how God has saved, how God has healed, how, how God has delivered us. And this, this kind of theme that we wanted to move into Christology is the study of Jesus' nature, Jesus, who he was, who he is. And the Sozo series was great, but, it, but if we just remain in that, that place of kind of looking at the things that God wants to heal us of and forgive us of and deliver us from, it often can become very self-absorbed. And so this series is like the, the, the way in which that we redirect our focus, redirect our gaze upon Jesus. And it's exciting because we met this past week with the, the speakers and service leaders, and there was, like, there was, just, there was just all this, se- this sense of excitement that we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the King of Kings, and He's the great equalizer. We're, we, 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 have, we may have differences of opinions, differences of, of political views, but the, the great equalizer is the love of Jesus, the, the, the person of Jesus Christ. And so we're so excited that the next two months or so, we're going to be talking about who He is. So I want to pray in just a second, but first I want to say this. You know, I, I um, was on vacation last week. We were um, in Yosemite in California, and it was a great, great time of getting away. My 10th anniversary of my, my marriage, my amazing wife, just, I love her. She's incredible. She's my, my rock in a lot of ways. It's amazing. And um, we were thinking back, I was thinking back before we left, we, we, we watched the video of our wedding. I'd never seen it before. The, the guy, the... Uh, the guy dies in the end. But anyway, <clears throat> just kidding, just kidding. Um, but I, I was reminded of the whole journey to, to getting married, the whole journey, and especially the, uh, the engagement. For some reason, I kind of thought back to the, that, that engagement process, especially the, the ring. And I thought, man, you, you have to, when, you, when, when you're the man, you have to like, you have to like, become like a PhD in like jewelry all of a sudden. Like you never think about this stuff and then all of a sudden you have to buy a ring. And I remember just having to learn about diamonds and engagement rings. It was like this weird thing I had never even thought about as a man before. And all of a sudden I was just looking at rings and diamonds and, and there's so much stuff that goes into a diamond. There's like the clarity and the cut and the color and the carrot. There's like four, just in case you're wondering, in case there's four qualities that give diamonds value. And it took all this time, and I, and I thought, man, this is like, I, I was just a single guy. I was 35. I never, never thought about jewelry. And all of a sudden, I, I get a PhD in gemology. And I was trying to find the best deal on eBay and stuff, and just kidding. But then after the engagement, after a year or so, you don't think about the ring, right? You don't think about the diamond. It's just there. It's just all that work, but it's it's not a real diamond, babe. That's what I'm getting at. It's not a real diamond. <laughs> I want to confess this on our 10th anniversary. But, but really, but it's like all that work that went into getting that diamond, and all of a sudden after that day is over with, it's like it's, it's, not, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's like the engagement ring is just there. It's just there as a, as a symbol. And I think that's sometimes how we think about Jesus. Like he is the perfect diamond of our lives, the reward, the, the beautiful king of kings, this glorious one that we can, we can at first, when we first accept him into our lives, it's like, man, he's so amazing. He's so, he's so beautiful. He's so loving. He's so kind. And over time, we just kind of get bored. And it, it just, he becomes sort of just 
You know, just, it's just, it's just Jesus. He's just my, you know, just my friend. He's my king. And, and we kind of lose some of our, that fire that you have, like when you're first engaged, when you're first saved, like you, you lose that, that fire. And I hope this, my prayer is that this series would be like we're looking at the diamond again of Jesus, the beautiful king of kings. And oftentimes we can just think of him as just, oh, it's just, he's just a diamond. Like I, I, there's a picture of two diamonds. One diamond, that's a three-carat diamond. That's, that, that diamond costs around $8,000. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's beautiful. The next diamond doesn't look much different. That diamond is a three-carat diamond that costs $180,000. Now, only a, someone who's a gemologist could look at those things and say, this is why the second diamond is so much more valuable. It's so much more beautiful. The cut, the clarity, the color, all those things a professional could look at and go, that is amazing. But just at first glance, looking at the diamond on, on your hand, you'd go, that's pretty, and that's pretty, they're huge, and whatever, 8,000 and 180,000. And we do the same thing sometimes with Jesus. It's like, He's glorious. He's, we think we've got him figured out. We think we've seen everything there is to see. But there's so much more to Jesus. There's so much more to his beauty, his majesty, his love, his grace. I believe that we will never, even when we're in heaven, we're never going to cease being amazed by him. The living creatures in the book of Revelation are just saying holy, holy, holy over and over again because they never cease to be amazed by this man. And so today we're talking about his divinity, his preexistence, that he didn't just come born of a virgin for 33 years and that's, that's, that's it. And so we're talking about his eternality, his, his preexistence, that he's always been. He's the creator. And so as we, I want to pray as we start this. I want to read from the book of Revelation this picture of Jesus. John wrote Revelation. He wrote the Gospel of John as well. And in the Gospel of John, he just hangs out with Jesus. He's Jesus' beloved. He, he leans on Jesus' chest, and he's like, they're, they're close. They're close friends, and he's probably a teenager in age. And he's known Jesus for all these years, and now he's written the book of Revelation. He has this vision of Jesus. He's taken up to heaven, and when he sees the real Jesus, the unveiled Jesus, the Jesus of heaven, that's, that's not the Jesus that was for 33 years on earth, when, it's, when he's unveiled, when, he's, when all the stuff that was hidden on earth, John falls down as if he's dead before Jesus. He falls down. I know Jesus. I, I put my head on his chest, and now I see who he really is, and I'm like coming apart. I'm coming apart because, because he's glorious. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. And then, and then this is what John says. Let me, let me pray, and I want to read this. I want us to close our eyes, actually. I'm going to pray. I want us to close our eyes and just imagine this scene as John saw it. Let's just pray. Father, I pray that you come, Holy Spirit, as we open your word, as we open more of the beauty of Jesus today, I pray you'd awaken hunger in us. I pray you'd awaken love in us. I pray you'd remove boredom and apathy, remove fear, remove whatever it is, God, that hinders the passion that we felt when we first know you, knew you in our lives. Come Holy Spirit. John says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Among the lampstands was someone who was like the Son of Man, dressed 
in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. This is Jesus right now. Jesus, we want to know you more this morning. We want to see you as you are. We want to encounter your beauty again, Lord. We thank you, Father. Amen. Jesus is eternal, you guys. He is the eternal king. He existed before he was born. He wasn't just born of a virgin and he became a man, and that's when he started. He existed from eternity. In the book of Genesis, God said, let us make man in our image. When he says let us, he's talking to his son in the Holy Spirit. He made, made us in the image of Jesus. Hebrews 1.3 says this, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He's he's the exact representation of God. Colossians 1.15, The sun is is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. John 14, 9, Jesus said to Philip, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And then John 17, 3 through 5, Now this is eternal life, that they know you. This is Jesus praying, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father... Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus is eternal. He spoke with the Father. He created the universe. He is the eternal King. And it's, sometimes we want to, you know, I, I do. I, mean, I remember as a, as a youth leader, I, a youth pastor, I wanted to sort of bring the transcendent Jesus down to humanity to make him more attractive to youth. I wanted to make him kind of cool and make him, make him relevant and make him just another person. I remember the shirt that was around back in the day, Jesus is my homeboy. Remember that shirt? Jesus is my homeboy. I only had that shirt, actually. Anyway, <laughs> and it was this idea that he's, you know, Jesus is my homeboy. He's cool. Like, he's, what's up, bro? Jesus is just like you and me. He, he was a person. He lived. He died. He cried. He got mad. He turned over tables. He had bad days, good days. But he's not your homeboy. He's not. He's not a homeboy, brah. He's not. He's the king, the eternal king. And as much as we want to bring him down, it lowers the value of the diamond. He's not worth $8,000. He's worth infinitely more. And we just, we want to bring him down and make him relevant to our culture, relevant to our youth, as if we need to water down his beauty to make him more beautiful or something. 
And I understand that I did that. I wanted, to be, I wanted to be like, yeah, man, he's just like us. And he's just, you know, he had problems. And, you know, he got lost when he was 12 in the, in the church. And his parents got mad. And all, I know that. Yeah, that's great, man. That's, that's great. But he's not my homeboy. He's the Lord. You know, in, in the book of John, there's all these statements where Jesus says some, some things that are so profound. He says this phrase, I am, over and over again. And this one instance where he says it to the Pharisees and the Jews, the phrase I am was like this phrase that was used of God in the Old Testament. When Moses was talking to God and God was sending Moses to Pharaoh to, to release the Israelites, he, sa- he said to God, who should I say is sending me? And, Moses sa- and God said to Moses, tell them I am is sending you. God calls himself I am. I am that I am, or I am, I am who that I am, I am all that I am. I'm really not sure what it really means. But it was a simple phrase, Yahweh. I am Yahweh. And Moses is like, that's interesting. He calls himself I am. Like there's no defining this being. There's no defining the beginning or the end. He is who he is. And so that's what Moses goes and tells Pharaoh. I am said, let my people go. I am said, let my people go. And so Jesus is debating right now with the Pharisees and the, and the Jews, and he says this about Abraham. He says in John 8, 54, this is unbelievable, he would say this, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and he was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old yet. How can you have seen Abraham? Jesus said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. Before Abraham was born, you guys, I am. He's claiming divinity, and they knew it. They picked up stones to kill him because he claimed he was the eternal God. I I can't imagine that scene with all the Jews around him, and he just says, I am. They pick up stones, and he's like, you're going to put that stone down. I'm going to walk out of here. He's going to walk out of here. A little Jedi mind trick. Like he, just, he kind of just walks out. Nothing, nothing even happens. Like he just walks straight through the crowd. It happens again. And this is really, really hard to see, but it happens again 10 chapters later. And I want to, I want to read this story. This is, a, this is a crazy story. This is right when he's getting arrested. Judas, Judas comes with the whole crowd, the soldiers and the, and the Jews and the Pharisees, to arrest the Roman soldiers to arrest Jesus. John 18. Verse 4, they come out to get him. He's, hide, he's, he's kind of hiding in the wilderness. He's been praying in, in that night with the disciples. They, Judas knows where they are. So they come and find Jesus. And it says this, John 18, verse 4. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. Stepping forward to meet them, he says, whom are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he. Jesus said, and as he said it, they all fell backwards onto the ground. The letter, or the, that, perhaps the uh, third person is not in there. He is not in the Greek. It's not there. It's just, it's just ego, amy, which means I am. Literally, he turns around and he says, I am. And they go, boom. They all fall down. Because he is stating who he is. And he's like, just so you know, you think you've come out with power over me, to arrest me, 
Actually, I'm just volunteering to go with you. One theologian says it says like this. He says, Jesus answered them with this curious phrase, two words in both English and in the original language, ego e me. It's curious because Jesus didn't say, I am he, but simply, I am. The he was added by translators and is not in the original text. With this, Jesus consciously proclaimed he was God, connecting his words to the many previous I am statements in the Gospel of John. Here our Savior let out a little beam of the majesty of his deity, and 500 men fell before him. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's the true Jesus, the unveiled Jesus. There's just moments of that, little glimpses of that in the Gospels. Why is this important? Because, because if we're bored, something is, something's off, right? You think about people who are on fire for Jesus, those radical Christians. Like, you know some of them, like somewhere in here. But, but like, they're on fire. They just, they're just... You think, you think they're, just, they're just imbalanced or something. They're like, they're on fire. They, they do things. They pray for people or they say things and they give ex- extravagantly and they spend their time on mission trips or whatever it may be. And you go, why are they on fire? You know, like, why can't they just be normal Christians? But what does that mean? What does that even mean? Shouldn't we all be on fire? Shouldn't we all be extravagantly loving Jesus? And what is it that's causing us not to be? What is it that's holding back the extravagant devotion that he longs for, that he deserves because he's infinitely valuable and worthy of all my affection, all my devotion, all my obedience, all my attention. He's worthy of it all. And we go, oh man, I used to be on fire when I first got saved in college and I was, I was, you know, I was partying and God just saved me and I was on fire. And then I was, you know, or I got healed recently or a couple years ago and I was on fire for, you know, a week and a half. And then I went to youth camp, you know, I was on fire after youth camp and I was, I was, I was for two months, I was like spending time with God. What happened? You were on fire because you saw more of Jesus. You saw him high and lifted up just for that glimpse. You saw his power touch you. You saw his beauty. You saw his majesty. And you're like, he's worth it all. And then the problems of life and the pleasures of life and the issues of life slowly deceive and dampen and water down the beauty of that diamond. You go, oh, I got problems. I don't have time for a quiet time. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. I'm too busy. I feel shame for this, and I did that, and I'm disqualified for this. And All of a sudden, the beauty of Jesus is almost secondary. We're just looking at our stuff going, sozo, sozo, sozo. I need more Jesus. Save me, save me, save me. But the way in which we grow in the Lord is we behold him, and we become like him. I've said this a thousand times That's what this whole series is about. As we look at him, not at our stuff, even though we have stuff, we look at him, we spend time with him, we pursue him intentionally outside of this hour and a half on Sunday morning, we pursue him, we will become like him. We'll get free, we'll get filled with joy, not because we're wanting the blessing, we want the blessor. We're pursuing the blessor, not the blessing. And so he's eternal. We'll never cease to be shocked by him. We'll never cease to be amazed by him. You know, as, as we were driving through Yosemite last week in, in, the, in the mountains, we were driving through and we stopped at all these different places. You know, there's, there's Half Dome and there's um, 
El Capitan, these amazing sites, and then the, the highway on the coast, driving up the coast in California. And we would just stop. And, and there was one time when I just kind of went off by myself and just climbed up this big cliff in, in Yosemite. I was looking down over this like 3,000 foot drop just into, into nothing. And I just sat there and I was looking out down this, this view called Tunnel View where you see all of the valley and the mountains on the sides. And I thought, dang, you want me, Jesus? You actually made all this and yet you still want me. It's crazy that he calls you a son or a daughter. I mean, living in Florida, you kind of forget there's mountains, you know? You kind of forget, you kind of forget there's like all this beauty. I mean, I love the ocean. I love the beach. I love the rivers. Like when you go out west, you, you, you cross over the Rockies and the Sierra Nevadas and the Cascades, and you're like, dang, he made all this, and yet he calls me a friend? He calls me a son? He calls me his heir? It should cause wonder and awe and appreciation and surrender you know, it should cause me to say, I will give it all. I don't care if I'm a fool. I don't care if I look stupid. I'll give it all for you. You gave it all for me. So my hope this morning is there's, there's no real application here. There's just, there's just, I want us to get hungry for him. I want us to get thirsty for him. Because we'll find what we're looking for when we choose to look at him. Not at our problems. Not at our issues. Not at our brokenness. And we, I know we have brokenness. I know we have issues. And we could, we, could just, we could just spend months and months talking about how he wants to heal of this and forgive of that, deliver of this. It's true. It's all true. But maturity in the Lord happens when we look at him in spite of all that junk and we say, dang, I want to become like him. I want to spend time with him. He loves me. He calls me his son. He calls me a daughter. He calls me chosen, forgiven, loved. And it's like, that's unbelievable. But it's true. It's not unbelievable. It's actually true. A long time ago, I memorized John chapter 1, and, and we were stopping at these places on the trip last week, and, and I just had this urge. I don't know. I think it was her idea to like just speak out the verses of John 1 just at a certain site, just to, just to say the Word of God in these places that were so beautiful and so glorious. And it was like this moment of like, gosh, this is really amazing that, the, this, that this God could do all that and still have a heart for me, that he actually is moved by my worship uniquely. Like he, he's moved by Brian Robinson differently than he's moved by, by anyone else. And he's moved by you. Your worship of him is unique to you. Your, your love for him is unique and specific. And he's moved by that uniquely. He calls you a unique son or daughter. Let's stand. I want to finish with this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to speak out John chapter 1. <clears throat> Let's close our eyes again, actually. Let's do this. Let's close our eyes again. As we end this. God, would you just provoke hunger in us, Lord? Produce hunger in us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent by God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, though he himself was not the light. And he came as a witness to testify to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And though the world was made through him, the world didn't know him. He came to that which was his own, but even his own did not receive him. But to all who receive him, to all who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, not born of natural descent or husband's decision or human will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. Jesus, we worship you this morning. We worship you, God. We worship you, King of kings. Awaken our hearts again, Lord. You're infinitely more beautiful than we ever could imagine, Lord, and you love us. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. Would you come and awaken us, Lord, to your beauty and to our worth in your beauty, Lord. Let's just wait.